what everyone told me in college and what I never understood or really, you know, agreed with until I got into the real world was network, network, network. You know, it's, they say it to you over and over and you just think, ah, yeah, what does that even mean? You know, but then you get, you know, you're, you're trying to do really anything, whether it's launching your own business or finding a career with somebody else's business. And it makes all the difference. You know, the first, some of the first clients were artists that I had worked with through Infectious and that I built those connections through. So it, it really taught me that, yeah, networking is, is really kind of the name of the game in the music industry. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Bree Noble, and you are listening to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast. This is where we help you learn to grow your business through attracting new fans, engaging your fans, and then monetizing your fans. And today I am super excited because I have an awesome announcement for you guys. We just opened the Female Musician Academy and Artist Collective. This is a place that you can come and learn everything you need to know about the music business from the early stages to even complicated ideas. And we're going to be having all kinds of amazing experts come on with us every month, including music lawyers, PR agents, royalty specialists, specialists, licensing specialists, like everything you can think of that you'd want to know about how to run your music business. That is what we're about. We also have the Artist Collective, which is our community of only female artists. And it's a great place to learn from each other, to network with each other, and just to, you know, fast track your career, because why should you go and make the mistakes that other artists have made and spend that time doing that when you can ask a question in the community and find out, oh, that's not the route I should take. Think of all the time that you'll save. So that is the benefit of having that kind of a community. And everybody in there is there because they've paid to be part of the academy. So they're super engaged and they all just really want to help each other and help their own careers. So my next bit of exciting news is that we are going to be giving away a one-month membership to the Female Musician Academy and Artist Collective to a randomly chosen person who gave us an iTunes review for this podcast. So I want to encourage you to go to iTunes, where you're either where you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening on your computer or on your mobile device, and you can go in and give a review. If you're on your mobile device, you just go and search for the podcast under the search and when it comes up, then you can go in and give it a review, but you don't go into the area where you're already listening. The little tab next to details says ratings and reviews. You click on that, then you click on write a review and you give us your honest feedback, give us a star rating, whatever you think that we deserve, and we will put you in the running to win one month of the Female Musician Academy and Artist Collective. Okay, now I'm ready to get on to my conversation with industry professional and PR agent, Angela Mastro Giacomo. 
Angela is the creator of Infectious Magazine, an online magazine that highlights independent artists. She's also the owner of Muddy Paw Public Relations. Muddy Paw specializes in working with up-and-coming artists on personalized campaigns designed to take their career to the next level. You can find them at muddypawpr.com. So that's a little bit about Angela Mastro Giacomo. So Angela, is there anything that's not in your bio that's maybe a little more personal that you'd like to share with our audience? Well, yeah, I mean, it's tough to uh, to put 26 years into a bio, but uh, I think probably the most important things you would need to know about me is I'm a huge dog lover and I love ice cream. Those are very important things. And there's this this quote that I I really like that I kind of think sums up my my personality a bit. And it it's something like, I think I fall in love a little bit with anyone who shows me their soul, which is definitely how I feel. Um, it's a pretty, pretty guarded world. So as the, as the quote goes, I really appreciate that, that rawness a lot, which I, mm, I think, I, yeah, I think that's how I ended up here. I, I like working with <laughs> passionate people, you know? Right. I love that. And I'm going to actually ask you a question about that in a little bit, but I don't want to give it away. But <laughs> I love that, that, you know, and I'm very big on that too, like just being yourself and not holding anything back, which is, you know, it's pretty hard to do at first, for sure. Yeah. Like my husband works with college students and a lot of them are not ready to do that yet. So they're learning. Um, so I wanted to ask you, how did you become a music lover? Like, and when, and you know, what's kind of the story behind what made you want to decide to work in the music industry? I like to kind of think I've always been a music lover, although um, I, I, I definitely didn't come from a super musical family or anything, and I, I can't play an instrument to save my life. So I've always been on the appreciation side of it rather than making it. But my Venture into the music industry was completely serendipitous, as I kind of believe that most things in life are, uh, the best things anyway. But I, uh, I just kind of happened, I've always loved writing, and I never really knew what to do with it. But I happened across this local band one night that was an opener for my favorite band. And when I saw them, I was just instantly in love. And they just had such drive and such an amazing stage presence. And I was just really, really captivated. And I felt compelled to interview them. And up until that point, music journalism, the music industry in general, had never even crossed my mind. Uh, but it was one of those things where just kind of the stars aligned. And I thought, you know, well, why stop here? You know, why not tell people about all kinds of hardworking up and coming bands and get their name out there? So that's kind of how my music blog, Infectious Magazine, was born and really how I slid very unexpectedly into the music business. So can I ask what was your favorite band and what was your new favorite band in that story? Oh, you absolutely can. <laughs> uh, yeah, my favorite band is Amberlynn, who are sadly broke up last year. But Oh, they did? I didn't yeah, even know that. I know. It's, it's, I mean, I get it. You know, you have families and, you know, you want to go out on a good note. But, you know, the selfish part of me is very sad about it. But and the the band that I was drawn to, they're called The Coming Week, but spelled W E A K. And mm. there's this local band out of Providence, Rhode Island, but they actually broke up a couple of years ago too. So now I have to find a new favorite active band, I think, because they're all breaking up on me. Or you need to choose an artist because they can't break up with themselves <laughs> unless they just leave the music industry. That's true. And I think that very rarely happens. That's a good point. 
<laughs> so yeah, I was going to ask you, is there any more you want to tell us about the starting of Infectious Magazine? And what exactly is it? Is it like a physical magazine? Is it online? Yeah, it's online. And you know, after I started it, I started to realize, why did I call this magazine? Because it's it's not a magazine, it's a blog. But I, I did initially have hopes to make physical copies. And then, you know, I realized that just really didn't make sense. It's not the way the industry is moving. Um, I still really like the idea of having something, you know, tangible that you can hold, but financially, it just doesn't make sense. So yeah, it's, it's just a blog we cover, uh, we cover all over the place, really, pretty much the only thing we don't cover is country, hip hop, and straight up electronic. So I usually tell people, if you can picture the band on Warp Tour, then we probably cover it. That's kind of the genres we cover. And is it only indie or is it also label acts? Yeah, it's a good mix of both. It's uh, We try to mix it up. We try to do news mostly for the label acts. Um, you know, like if there's a smaller band that's on tour, we might not post about it because personally, I feel like if you don't know the band, you're probably not going to be, you know, care that they're on tour. So the way that I tend to feature artists that are still up and coming is through guest blogs and special features like that. I'm a big fan of guest blogs because I feel like it really gets at the artist's personality. And I, you know, from a PR perspective, I always feel like you fall in love with the artist's personality almost sometimes more than their music. You know, you can like someone's music, but if, if you hate the person, that connection isn't as strong. And there's been plenty of celebrities, you know, whether it's in music or not, that I'm kind of so-so about their work. But then I find common ground in their personality and I'm instantly way more like attracted to their music. Um, so that I like to really introduce them that way when I can. Yeah, I think we definitely connect to the person. And if they're willing to really put themselves out there and you really feel like you're getting to know them, then you want to hear what they have to say and you want to hear their music. Exactly. So this blog, is it is it actually a, a moneymaker for you? Like how do you how do you justify spending so much time on this blog? Are you able to, is it a business? I consider it a business. However, it's definitely not a moneymaker. If anyone is making money off a music blog, I would love to know how they're doing it. Uh, it, it pretty much, you know, we run AdSense and that pretty much just pays for the hosting. I mean, that's it. And I guess it's a really interesting question because there have been times where, you know, I've sat down and said like, how, you know, how like you said, how are you justifying it? And I think for me, it's always just been a labor of love. And, mm -hmm. and then beyond that, you know, you look at different sides. So then I look at the business angle of, well, also, it's it's keeping me in touch with this side of the music industry, which is imperative to growing my uh, to growing Muddy Paw PR, which is my PR company. And then we also have now something like 15 interns at any given time at Infectious. So, you know, being able to house their talents and give them a place to speak their mind and and grow their talents is super, super humbling and really kind of payment in itself, you know. And so that's that's kind of what keeps me going. So I guess that's probably why you moved into starting Muddy Paw PR, because you loved this blog and you were really passionate and it was a labor of love, but you probably needed to, you know, move into making some money on that. And obviously you had some expertise in this area, working with so many different bands and artists. So how did that all happen? And what does the name mean? 
The name is just kind of a tribute to my dog. I think my dog is probably my best friend, as silly as that sounds. They really are uh, best friends. And so I just really, when I started the company, wanted to have some kind of tribute to my dog and kind of immortalize him that way. So one day he had tracked in, you know, it was raining outside. He tracked in and uh, he, he left paw prints all over the kitchen. And I was like, it was just kind of an aha moment. I was like, muddy paw. And, uh, and of course, it goes really well with the tagline we have, which is leave your mark on the world. So, yeah, the name is really just kind of a way to immortalize my dog. And <laughs> uh, but like you said, you know, I realized at a certain point that I knew I wanted to, you know, work for myself and work independently. And I really wanted to stay within the music industry, but that, you know, that wasn't going to happen with the blog. So I started kind of brainstorming. and. I realized that having been on the receiving end of press releases for the last five years, that I had not only made a lot of connections with the industry, but I, I gathered what worked and what didn't work for approaching bloggers based on other publicist tactics. So I took what I liked and what I didn't like, and I applied it to my own business to you know, make it stand out and make it unique and, and do what I thought that artists needed to be successful and and for me to do in order to make them successful so that's how muddy paw started that's a really smart shift because when you've seen you know people have been submitting to you and you're like well i know what makes me want to support this person and what makes me super turned off by the way they approach me it makes sense to then turn that around and help other artists do it in a way that makes people want to help them you know and want to feature them on a blog yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I think that is a lot of business building is just getting creative with your approach. You know, it's this just because you've done something one way over and over or the business structure tends to be one way or another, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's working and it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So you need to find where you're comfortable. And then I'm a big fan of pushing the limits, you know, and, and kind of pushing out of that comfort zone. So I, I do think that's important. And that goes along with your mission of helping people learn to be authentic. That's obviously pushing yourself out of your comfort zone a lot of the time. And so how did you, you know, kind of derive this mission and how does it, how do you help artists achieve this? I do think it's really important. I, know I consider myself a pretty genuine person and I like to work with other genuine people. And I think that it's pretty, for me, it's very easy to read people very quickly. So for artists, you know, I think sometimes they get, or oftentimes they get very wrapped up in their own music and their day-to-day -day stuff and they get overwhelmed that they forget to really understand or even know what their message is. And if they don't know what their message is, then there's no way anyone else is going to know what their message is. So part of it is just kind of deconstructing at them and then going back to what I was saying before about getting them to be raw and be themselves and, and be authentic because without that, I mean, you have no chance. You have to have, a, everything has to be very clear cut in order to communicate it to other people. And then, you know, for you, you're, you get at that part of yourself and it's only going to help you grow. Right. I always try to communicate this to artists. Like people don't want that rock star persona. They want your fans. They want it to understand you, to know you and feel like they're kind of a little bit a part of what you're doing. 
And if you don't show yourself in that way, then there's just going to be this wall. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, I, I just personality is everything, you know, I, I will never forget this. One of my clients, they're called Great Highway and they're electropop and it's a really fun band. You know, it's it's not a band you're going to sit down and, and be really depressed listening to, you know, you're, you're going to get on your feet and you're going to be moving around. And they had asked me at the start of the campaign, they said, you know, we have really quirky personalities, but we're not sure, should we show that on our social media? Should we be really professional? I was like, no, you have to show that. Like, that's your brand, you know? And I think fans forget that they are a business and that they do have to build their brand and that that's part of it. So yeah, I mean, let your colors fly all the way. Definitely. Well, speaking of being authentic, I'm going to ask you to be a little bit authentic. I'm going to ask you about um, maybe a time early on in your business and your career that you feel like you were just hitting a brick wall. You were having some time of where you felt frustrated or maybe you even, you know, wanted to quit. And, you know, how did you come out of that and what did you learn from it? What made you, you know, what made it better for you? after going through that? I think that frustration in this industry, in the music industry, is definitely a very regular thing. Um, In the beginning, I think one of the challenges that I face the most that I think everyone really probably faces is just finding clients, you know? And if you don't have clients, you don't have a business. So that was something I struggled with a lot. not more because I was just stressed about it. You know, I, I had these images in my head of how it was supposed to go and that never works out the way it's supposed to in your head. (laughs) (laughs) So part of it was letting go of what I thought it was supposed to look like. And the other part was understanding that it was a very normal problem. You know, nobody's going from zero to 60. You're not launching a business in the next day, having 20 clients, you know, it takes time and patience and investment. And I had to remember that you know, that it was normal and it was fine. And I would work through it uh, because I had to, and because I wanted to. And so that's kind of what, what kept me going. Um, I would say what I learned from it, besides the fact that, you know, things just take time is that what everyone told me in college and what I never understood or really, you know, agreed with until I got into the real world was network, 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 you know, it's, they say it to you over and over and you just think, ah, yeah, what does that even mean? You know, but then you get, you know, you're you're trying to do really anything, whether it's launching your own business or finding a career with somebody else's business. And it makes all the difference. You know, the first, some of the first clients were artists that I had worked with through Infectious and that I built those connections through. So it, it really taught me that, yeah, networking is is really kind of the name of the game in the music industry. I totally agree. And speaking of that, do you, did you have a mentor that kind of helped you along the way um, with your business and just giving you ideas on how to move forward? I like to think that I had a couple mentors, although I don't think they all knew that they were mentors. <laughs> um, huh. You know, of course, I'm very grateful to my parents for not thinking I'm crazy. You know, your, your kid comes up to you and says, yeah, I want to start this business in this industry that's all over the place and like notoriously difficult to make a name in. And they, they were like, okay, cool, do it, you know, <laughs> and not like run the other way. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. I also like to take inspiration from other businesses that I think are doing it well, you know, and I don't consider other 
PR companies competition because I think we all have something different to offer and what an artist needs, you know, maybe a fit for me and not a fit for another company and, and vice versa. So, you know, there were certain publicity groups like, you know, Big Picture Media or even Catalyst Publicity Group, who I worked with a lot through Infectious. And I just thought, man, they're killing it, you know, and I definitely drew inspiration from them as far as, you know, look what they've done and, and, you know, look what I can do, you know, and this is what works for them, but this is what's going to work for me. And so I think that, I think it's really important to kind of look at other businesses that you admire and figure out where you fit into that, you know, not, I'm not, you should not steal their ideas, of course, but I think it's a great place to find inspiration. And I know I definitely did with those groups and, and with the women that I worked with through there, uh, because they were all fantastic. And then I also just, you know, on a personal level had the support of a best friend that was very business minded. And I am very not, you know, I am now, but when I started, I wasn't business minded at all. And so to have that balance and have somebody teaching me to think about all the nitty gritty business stuff was really instrumental to my growth. Because at that point, I just, it just wasn't the way I was thinking. Um, so all of that combined mm. was, was really, really useful. That's definitely, I mean, it, it helps to just have someone like hash it all out with. I yeah, think. it's true. Sometimes. I, I just did that right before this call. I was hashing it out with my mentor about certain things that I'm going to move forward in my business. And I'm like, oh, I feel <laughs> so much better now that I could just hash that out with somebody. And of course she's got great ideas, but you know, even just to like be prompted to like come out with all my fears and all my questions and, you know, yeah. it's hard to do that with your, just with yourself. Like you don't, probe yourself enough. Well, exactly. It, it gets you talking out loud. And even if the other person says nothing, I feel like just speaking out loud, it's kind of like when you write things down and you go, oh, I didn't even know I felt that way. It's the same kind of thing where you discover things and, and yeah, just bouncing ideas off each other is, is so helpful. I'm going to move into a few questions about PR since obviously that's your specialty, but what do you think, what kind of things do you m believe make an artist stand out in their genre and how can a PR professional or even the artists themselves capitalize on those? That's a good one. For me personally, you know, it's, it's definitely talent, you know, but beyond that, you know, beyond making sure the talent is there, the production is good, all of that. I think it's fairly subjective. There is music that is good that I am not going to like. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not good or that it, it just means that it's not for me. But like we were talking about before, I think capitalizing on that uniqueness and making them stand out, it's really that personality thing. You know, it's it's not being afraid to show your personality because that's what I'm going to connect with. That's what I feel like your fans are going to connect with. Um, and people just want to, you know, they want to see more of that. They want to feel like they're not just your fan, but they're your friend. And so if you can make them feel like that by giving them a peek into your personal life and, you know, doing something simple like responding to people, you know, I'm not, unless you're, you know, gracing the covers of Rolling Stone, I, I don't, I think artists sometimes can get a bit caught up in their egos and they don't take the time to do things like fan interaction, which is really, in my opinion, essential to growth. 
For sure. I mean, I I did another interview with another PR professional and she just kept saying, I know it's a buzzword, but engagement, <laughs> it's so important. And, you know, people might not hear that for what it really is because people are always harping on engagement, engagement, but engagement doesn't mean clicking like on everybody's comment. It means actually responding with something intelligent to say that, you know, and appreciative and gratitude. Yeah, exactly. Well, what do you think are some of the major key elements to creating a campaign for an independent artist for PR? For me, and this is one of the things that Muddy Paw does that, to be honest, I I really don't see a lot of other PR companies doing, at least not in the same way, is personal outreach. It's it was the big thing that I took away from the emails that I was getting for infectious were that they were all mass releases. And I just don't, I don't necessarily think that that works for growing artists. Um, you know, if I get an email about an artist I've never heard, you know, blogs get hundreds, even the smallest blogs get hundreds of emails a week. And so if I have a mass email sitting in my inbox and then I have somebody who's reached out and, you know, personally, mentioned something on my site, is calling me by name, you know, is starting a conversation with me, that's the one I'm going to respond to. So for me, that's, that's the big one. And then on the artist's end, I think a lot of artists think that, you know, they, they give you, they sign their contract, and they pay you, and that's it. They just sit back and relax. And it's, it's really not true. Uh, There's actually a lot of work on the artist's end. And part of that is, you know, get the materials in on time. There's, it's really hard to start a campaign on time or stick to the timeline we're trying to stick to if they're getting materials in late, you know? Um, and it, you know, it's just a respect thing as well, you know, but beyond that, you know, and then responding quickly to emails, you know, if I say, here's an interview and I need it back in two days, you know, that means I need it back in two days, not in four days, just, just kind of things like that. And then, of course, the one I always push is promoting your coverage. It blows my mind when bands do not promote a site that has just featured them. Like, first of all, it's just rude, you know, because the it, well, it is, and I, I mean, it. it but yeah. it's amazing to me how many bands don't do it, and it's like you know, bloggers are doing it because they love what they do, because they love your music. They're not getting paid for it, so it's really the least you can do from a respect standpoint. And then back to the networking thing, if you you need to make that connection. So if you don't promote that coverage and then a year from now you release your next album, like they're not going to want to necessarily work with you again. But if you make a big show of it and you're sure to promote them and thank them and, you know, be genuine about it, then they're going to remember that. And then you've made that connection. And so it's to me, it's common sense. But uh, I found that it's it's not widely it's not done that much, you know? Oh, I so agree (laughs) with this because I mean, I have artists that I have worked with for seven years on women of substance and you know, the ones that really reach out specifically, they send me a personal thank you. They'd be sure to, you know, promote us on Twitter or, or Facebook. I always remember that. And when their next album comes out, I am so ready to play their music. It's so true. And I, it's just, yeah, it's just what does it take, you know, five seconds and you've made a connection for life and you've made someone happy, you know, beyond if you're there's two ways I guess you can look at it. Either you can look at it for purely selfish reasons, which is OK, because it is a business or you can look at it, you know, from a personal perspective, like someone did you a favor. They didn't have to do that. So 
return the favor, you know? And plus it's standing out. I mean, I have thousands of artists on women of substance. If, if you don't, you know, try to contact me directly in some way, I probably won't remember you. I mean, it's just, it's just a numbers game, unfortunately, you know? I mean, unless your song is just like (laughs) the bomb, like my favorite song that I found in the entire, you know, month or something, then I will remember you regardless. But it's hard to be that, you know, when you're in a huge group of people. So you need to stand out in a different way. And for me, I mean, I'm really, I guess I harp on a lot about respect, but to me, I just feel like, you know, the world would be such a better place, but you know, you don't need to like everyone, but you just need to respect everyone. And I've had bands sometimes that'll reach out very rarely, but they'll reach out for coverage. I'll offer them, you know, say a guest blog and they'll actually say, no, like, no, sorry, we wanted an interview. And again, this is just a growing band. And that kind of thing to me, like that'll also stick with me. And I'll never want to work with you because I'll feel like I was offering you coverage, but it wasn't good enough. Well, because they don't want to do the work. Well, they have to do a guest block. Exactly. They have to write it. Exactly. That's what it is. And uh, to me, it's it's just, it's kind of rude because I, I feel like it can't, it's that compromise thing, you know? And it's like, you, I'm trying to, you know, blogs, I feel like are always doing bands a favor when they feature them, because again, they're not getting anything out of it except satisfaction, you know, but I don't know. It's, I feel like it's a subject I could go on for hours because it's, because it just blows (laughs) my mind sometimes again, the egos that you find in the music industry and it ruins it for all the truly wonderful, hardworking bands. It's true. And I mean, I I don't know how to say this, but I think if, if people are getting something for free, like with blogs, they don't appreciate it. Whereas like in the past year or two, I have, I charge not a huge amount, but a small amount for people to submit their music to women of substance because my time is valuable. And I have gotten so much more just really appreciative. Oh, thank you so much. We're so excited to be on your station. Yeah, if they have some skin in the game and they've actually, you know, made the effort to really feel like they've submitted to something of value, then when I do choose them, they're super appreciative. I mean, it's probably like 10 to 1 how much appreciative email and, and, you know, features I've gotten on Twitter and Facebook this year because I've been doing it that way. It is so interesting because you would honestly think from a logical standpoint, that it would be the opposite. But it's, it's true. It's like you start charging people for something and they, they suddenly see the value in it more. Yeah. <laughs> Humans are funny. <laughs> well, what do you think is maybe the most critical skill that you need to have to be a good PR professional? I think it's probably, this is going to sound so corny, but I honestly think it's, it's being a friend, which is probably what a lot of managers I would imagine could say to a degree as well, but the best campaigns I've, I've run have actually been with friends, whether they're friends beforehand or they become friends during the campaign. I just feel like having that respect, that understanding of one another is really crucial to a campaign. You know, they, artists want to feel like they're being heard. They want to feel like they can come and talk to you, that they can ask any questions and they, and they should feel that way. They shouldn't be afraid to ask whatever questions they have or to feel like they're bothering you. You know, it should be a very responsive, you know, friendship, not just relationship. And likewise, I want them to trust me 
you know, to know how to do my job and that I have their best intentions in mind. So yeah, I would really just say being able to create a friendship out of it. And that's where the personality really comes in and why you say that you're not really in competition with other PR agents, because I think that personality match is so important. I mean, I think about, you know, my other friend that's a PR agent, she has I mean, I would dare to say a completely different personality <laughs> than you have. And she would clearly, you know, really attract a certain kind of artist and you would attract a certain kind of artist. And, you know, it just makes sense. You can't just look at, you know, their their track record, their numbers, all those are, those are important. And, you know, but I would think even referrals would be more important than that because you can talk to somebody that's worked with them and, you know, get an idea of what their personality is like before you put some money Absolutely. down. Absolutely. I mean, word of mouth is always, I think, the best way to grow your business. But yeah, it's just, it's just finding a fit and, and also making sure that if you're hiring a PR team, you know, for me right now, it's just me handling the campaigns, although I'm getting ready to hire on another publicist very soon. But, you know, if you're looking into a company and to hire someone, just make sure that you know who your publicist is going to be because I've heard of, I've heard horror stories of bands that, you know, talked to the company's owner, loved them, got along, um, but then were assigned a different publicist that they, they didn't know about until after they signed and their, their personalities just clashed and it, it didn't work and nobody was happy. So yeah, I would say always make sure you know that the person you're talking to is the person that you're actually going to be working with for the next however many months. That's a really good tip. Definitely. I, I'm not sure I would have thought of that. So have you had any like really mind-blowing experiences working with artists where you've gotten to go to maybe an awards show or a really cool concert or, you know, what what have you experienced in that well, arena? Is it, is it a cop-out if I say that every experience is mind-blowing? <laughs> yeah, it's a total cop-out. You but, cannot say that. But on the sappy side of things, I truly can't believe every morning when I wake up that I get to do this for a living full time, like hundred percent. This is my job, nothing else. Um, but okay. So a not cop out answer. I would say, you know, I've I haven't been to, I would say any like crazy, you know, award shows or anything yet. Although, you know, if my artists are listening, I look forward to being invited when you're, you're nominated for your next Grammy. But, um, <laughs> but I would say, you know, being able to, travel like I have and meet artists that way I'm gonna be I'm part of this okay let's see I'm part of this music industry meetup uh, called Balanced Breakfast and it was founded in San Francisco by two friends of mine and when I I lived in San Francisco for seven months and when I moved I founded one in Boston and then one in Toronto where I also lived for a couple months and now this summer well, not really the summer, for the next year and a half, I'm going to be traveling across the country and into parts of Canada and starting this music industry meetup in every single city. So I would say that's pretty mind-blowing, is that I'm getting to travel around and meet musicians that way and get to just see the industry in so many different lights, you know, seeing how each city operates their music scene. And it's just, I'm pretty mind blown by that. You know, I think that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. And I wouldn't be able to do it if I wasn't in this field. I think you could write a book. I am actually going to write a book. (laughs) 
uh-huh. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna write about it as I go and then look at my options when I get back. Oh yeah, it's too it's too like at least to me, it's too unique an experience not to write it down. Yeah, no, for sure. So do you have your itinerary of cities? Do we get to yes, know where you're going? There's uh there's still a bit of flexibility with it, but I'm gonna all right, I'm gonna try and just list them off. So I'm starting in Nashville and then I'm going to be in New Orleans just for a couple days. Um, most of the other cities I'll be there for a month or two. So Nashville, New Orleans, uh, Austin, Texas. I'll hit probably Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then probably Phoenix, Arizona for a couple days. And I'll be in Southern California, probably see a few different cities, back to San Francisco. I'd also like to hit Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, uh, the Twin Cities I'd like to go to, and then also where else? I know I also probably want to go back to Toronto, then hit Montreal, Nova Scotia. I'd spend about a month in New York City. Those are the ones I know for sure. And then I, I might add a couple. Oh, Las Vegas as well. What about Detroit? I have a lot of artists yeah, lately I'd like from to Detroit. Stop through. I don't think I'd spend a full month there. I think it'd be one of the places I'd spend maybe a couple days. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of places that um, Las Vegas is one of those as well that I kind of want to see and feel out and then I can always go back, but that's a good suggestion. Actually, I, you're right. There are quite a few things happening there lately. Well, you'll have to tell me when you're <laughs> where, because I know that we've got artists, like I know artists in all those places. So it would be cool to, you know, get, get you an idea of who, I know there, maybe you could go see a show or something. I mean, especially like Portland, Seattle, they've got yeah, some great music really, scenes there. I'm really, really excited for those two. There's, there's a couple that I'm really excited for. Um, Nashville and Austin are des- definitely among. Yeah, yeah those are Nashville, obvious. I just, I, for some reason I have this and it's founded on absolutely nothing, but I feel like I'm going to really like it. Um, but then Portland, Seattle, I'm pretty excited about. I've always wanted to go to Seattle. I really like the rain and coffee, so I feel like I'll be okay there. <laughs> mm. Well, you're not stopping in Yosemite, California, but that's probably because there's not really a music scene in Yosemite. Think, it's more about yeah, hiking. Yeah, I think it'll and... be one of those places that I stop for a couple days, you know, because I feel like it's there. I should see it. I'm going right by it, you know. Um, but that's that's kind of how I feel about New Mexico and Arizona. I remember... I drove through there when I moved to California and I remember thinking, this is really beautiful, but I don't think there's really a music scene. So I'd, I'd like to stop in and see it personally. I definitely know some bands in those cities, but I don't know what the music yeah, scene well, I'll let is you like. know. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. San Diego for sure. Um, you know, Southern California, basically LA. I mean, that's where I used to live for 18 years. There's, there's tons. I mean, you could spend a long time in LA. I'm a little afraid to spend a long time in LA. I, I, <laughs> I it's somewhere I really, you yeah, might spend it all on the freeway. Here. I know. And it's so surprising to me because I always hear terrible traffic and, and I just don't understand why such a vibrant and important city is lacking in public transportation. But I imagine many of the residents are wondering the same thing. So it's too spread out as one of the biggest problems. It's just really yeah, spread I'm really anxious to see that. I'm, I can't believe I never made it there. I was in San Francisco for seven months. It was like six hours away. I never made it. So I'm really, I'm planning right. to spend a month. There. Well, you <laughs> picked the better city because I love yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very impressed. I've 
yet to find a music scene that rivals San Francisco. So um, my, that's my goal, I guess, on this trip as well as to kind of, it's just such a united community. Except maybe New it's, York City. Well, I just, mean, yeah, I don't know. Well, that they're just so different. I mean, that. East. I was amazed when I lived in San Francisco how different the East and West Coast personalities are. You know, I I didn't expect mm-hmm. it to be as extreme as it was, but I got there and uh, my sarcasm was not well received, and it was just it was definitely <laughs> an adjustment. But I I do love it for, and they have amazing food trucks. I I can't complain about oh. that. that's that's funny so I want to ask you but we're getting close to the end but I want to ask you one question about an article that you wrote for sonic bids um you wrote an article about kind of the best practices or some really good ideas for what to make and how to make an amazing release for your album or single and I just wanted to hear some of those ideas because I know our audience could really use that information so I've gone to quite a few album releases now and I want them to be more exciting than they are because even if I love the band, I just, I don't know. I think everything should be an experience. You know, you should always be giving your fans an experience and your album review show is a perfect time to do it. So I'm a big fan and this is a really lofty idea. I understand, but I think a really cool thing would be kind of make it, you know, thematic. So if your show is around Halloween, you know, consider spending a little extra money maybe charge a little more for the ticket and why not have some kind of, you know, short haunted house or, you know, haunted hayride on site before they go in the show, um, you know, have candy inside, have people dress up, think, you know, things like that. It's tiny thing, but I'm telling you, if I ever went to a haunted house that was part of the show, I would be talking about that forever, like until I died, because it would just be so cool. Um, or, you know, if you're a party band, you know, why not have have a party bus and have the option to buy a VIP ticket that includes a ride on like the bus as an after party you know just it's just short little out of the box things like that which I think would make a huge difference and uh beyond that I would say just pick strong opening bands don't just bands get caught up hiring the same three friends bands over and over don't do that make sure they have their own audience um because you know it'll bring new people and of course and then you get new fans well, let me ask you what you think about this, because <laughs> I've been irritated going to release parties because they have so many opening bands. And I mean, you know, I'm 43. I guess I'm old now, but I don't want to stay up till 11 just to hear the main band. Like I want I don't. What do you think about having like oh, three man, well, opening I think bands? I are in the minority because I'm the same way as you. Like I'm 26, but I'm definitely 81 at heart. Um, like I am definitely <laughs> asleep by like 10 o'clock on most nights and and I feel the same way, you know, I hate it when a show starts at nine o'clock because like, I want to be in bed at nine o'clock, you know, but I, I get it. But <laughs> so I think three opening bands is, is kind of, it's teetering. I think two is fine. If they have shorter sets, maybe three, I don't think each band needs to have 45 minutes. You know, that's for an opening band. I think that's too much. I'm, I'm happy with like 20, 25 minutes. If it's a band, I don't know, like I can only take so much, you know, I don't want to be bored. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. I kind of have stopped going to those kind of shows. Cause I just don't yeah. have the patience for it. And unless I know all the opening bands, which occasionally happens, 
And then, or at least I know one or two of them and the main band, then I'm excited about it. But, oh, it's just too much. Like, I want to go yeah. see that band, well, not all these other people. The experience thing that I, I mean, mentioned, you know, that you, then you don't need opening bands so much. You know, you could have like one opening band because you'd be spending the other 20 minutes on this experience, you know? Right. But yeah. I mean. Yeah, I love that. I think we get stuck in this thing like, well, this is what you do for your release. You have to get three opening bands and you have to, you know, do it all in a certain way and you have to have it in these certain kind of venues. Like, you're right. Why not do a totally unique venue and a unique experience? Even if I didn't know the band, if there was a band that was doing that, I would go just because I would think this is super cool. And I've, I've never seen that before. And I don't know why, because I feel like it's a great idea. And I don't know if maybe there's bands, bands, if you're doing that and I don't know about it, tell me because I will go see you right now. I think they're just copying what they see of other people, you know, what they see as successful bands. This is what they've done for their release. So this is what I have to do if I want to be successful, or this is just what you do, you know, and they're just not thinking outside the box. That's what (laughs) people like you are for. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of definitely challenging the status quo. And I think I think you can be good if you follow other people's lead, but I think in order to be great, you have to think outside the box for sure. Good point. Well, on that note, I want to ask if you have any book recommendations, either in relation to the music industry, in relation to business, or in relation to, you know, sparking your creativity or maybe some kind of self-improvement that you would recommend to People listening to the female entrepreneur musician. I love this question. I'm a big fan of reading. So I think this is a really, really great question. I don't tend to read a lot of music business specific books. Um, I think it's because I get kind of paranoid. Like it makes me think I'm doing it wrong or something. Um, But I really like self-improvement style books because I like really anything that challenges your mind and, and changes your perspective. I'm a big fan of just challenging yourself in general. I read this book recently called The Defining Decade, and it's meant for people in their 20s. But I think it's I think you could read it at any age and and get a lot out of it. It basically just I mean, it focuses on your 20s and, and how the decisions you make in your 20s will kind of affect your whole life, which is very scary when you say it out loud. But it like I said, it kind of applies to any age and reading it really made me think about things in a very different way and, and not in a you know music or business specific way, but just kind of in a, in a personal growth way. And again, I think that personal growth and, and how you're challenging yourself is going to reflect your business. So I don't think you necessarily have to stick to business books. I think you can just stick to really any self-improvement. And if you're growing yourself, you're going to grow your company that way. And then I'm also a, a pretty, I don't, this is probably really cliche. I'm a pretty big Malcolm Gladwell fan as well. So, you know, I really like the outliers, you know, that was, I guess, a bit more businessy. Um, oh, it's very good. Mm, I haven't uh, read that. It kind of, it talks a lot about, you know, the Hush Puppies brand and, and kind of what they did to stand out and how they identified their market and they jumped on it. And, and it looks at just different examples like that of how these companies went from nothing to growth and, so that's a bit more businessy. And again, it really challenges the way you think about things. And yeah, I'm a big fan of anything that challenges me like that. Mm, that sounds great. Well, before I ask you how people can get in touch with you, I just wanted to mention that we actually, speaking of networking and how important it is, we actually got in touch just because of Twitter. 
Like, I can't remember which one of us followed each other first, but you know, this is why networking is so important. Like we would not have met had it not been. It's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) And yeah, you just, I hope these artists take this into consideration. Like you just, you don't know who you're going to meet on these platforms if you're looking for like-minded people and where that's going to lead. So, and also, you know, Angela did a guest blog for the female entrepreneur musician blog. So, you know, she's getting an interview with me and I'm getting a guest blog from her and, you know, there's probably more of that to come. So it's, it's exciting what you can do through networking. So let them know how they can get in touch with you. Um, if they're interested in, in submitting for the infectious magazine and also how to get in Absolutely. touch with you about PR so for infectious, services. It's just infectiousmagazine.com and all our socials are on there. And uh, also this is, I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't have to say this, but we have a submission, a specific submission guidelines. So if you're not following those guidelines, I'm sorry, but your email is ending up in the trash and this should, you should be paying attention to this on all the blogs you submit to. Uh, but yeah, pay attention, make sure you're looking at it and you can submit that way. And then for Muddy Paw, it's just muddypawpr.com. Uh, there are no submission guidelines for that one. So you can just get in touch the old fashioned way. And again, all our socials are on there. And then if you just, you know, I'm always happy to meet new people, talk to people, offer advice whenever I can. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. It's just Angela underscore Mastro, M-A-S-T-R-O. And I would, yeah, just love to talk to you. Always love meeting new people. Well, this has been awesome. You've given our audience so much great value here. And I just want to thank you for taking the time and also publicly thank you for your guest blog, which is great. It talks all about um, what you can, how you can prepare for going to conferences Mm -hmm. and what you can get out of it. So check that out guys on the uh, femusician.com under the blog section. You can read that. And thanks again so much. I hope I get to see you when you come to California. In whenever that is, how many months do you think that is? Southern California in January. So it'll be sometime in the winter. I planned the trip accidentally, so I should never have to deal with the cold weather. Well, thanks again, and we will talk to you again soon. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.